So let's just talk a little bit about your experience with your grandfather, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, just tell me like your experiences with him and when you realized, and did they call it dementia or did they get him diagnosed? Either one. Yeah. Yeah. So it was about a year ago when I started suspecting that he had symptoms of dementia in just kind of the stories that my grandmother was telling me and my mom. And it was quite difficult because I live in the UK and my family lives in India, but it was just kind of the stories and the things that he was doing that wasn't him or mm -hmm. as much as I knew of him. And so I suggested that they go and speak to one of the doctors that I, when I was in India and working there, I was like, why don't you go and speak to them? And that's what they did. And then he got that formal diagnosis of vascular dementia. Okay. And initially we thought it could have been because of a new medication that he was introduced to. So it was also about understanding what may be causing him to behave differently. Sometimes medication has side effects and affect the way that we behave, but he did get then a, you know, cognitive tests and stuff done to get that formal diagnosis about. So it wasn't year. medication. Cause I know no. my grandfather had surgery on his back. It was the medication that caused his, on the fact that he was 80 plus something years old, probably, but a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so actually right after the medication started, he had very strong hallucinations. So that was because of the medication. But some of the other symptoms that he was showcasing wasn't the very more subtle ones, like, you know, pulling the jar and then putting it back or pulling it again and, and not understanding and those repetitive behaviors. Very subtle, very difficult to catch, very easy to say it's just random and just yeah. kind of overlook it. And that's why you get a lot of diagnosis in the moderate stage rather than the early stage. Yeah. And you said vascular, correct? Vascular yeah. dementia? Yeah. Do they teach you only in school? And, and I'm asking this in the way that to understand that the dementia is the symptom and not the disease, because I did not realize that until I heard a doctor on the Today Show explain that. So did you already know that it was that vascular dementia? And of course, you probably learned about it in school. Yeah, so I did my undergrad and master's in neuroscience. So I had a bit about understanding of the scientific of with the different types of dementia and okay. so forth. But kind of his symptoms were like, he was okay most of the time, and then he would have one episode, and then he was okay again. And so one of the traits of vascular is you have this constant of being okay. And then like, it's like a staircase decline, while as Alzheimer's is more of a curve. So you have different characteristics of different types of dementia. And, and yeah. so the reason you have so many different types is it depends which part of the brain gets impacted. So each part of the brain is responsible for, you know, memory, for the way we talk, the way we listen to anything that we do. And so depending on what part of the brain the dementia is affecting, you see those symptoms. Got it. Yeah. That's a great breakdown. <laughs> when my mom was diagnosed, she's never had the scan, but they did the word test and, you know, a hundred questions and yeah. different things like that. She couldn't tell us who the president was, the current, yeah. like it was sh all short term stuff that mm -hmm. she couldn't tell yeah. us like the day, who, what, t what day it was, the, what the year was. She could name who your, her kids were, how old we, well, no, she's never been able to say how old we were. That's always, <laughs> but <laughs> things like that sort, you know, yeah, yeah long-term memory was fine, but it was the short term. So. And it's just, it was just her regular health care provider that, that diagnosed her. And, and, you know, we haven't done the scan because she's physically very healthy and because she mm -hmm. plays tennis four days a week. And then I had a physical therapist at this community center that I went to volunteer at that said that any kind of exercise that make an individual the right side tell the left side what to do helps keep their brain active and healthy or, you know, strong, you know, because the brain is a muscle. 
Yeah, exactly. Did your grandmother start doing anything different? What yeah. kind of changes did they make in his? So, I mean, health? if you look at kind of, you know, how do you prolong getting the diagnosis of dementia or how do you make sure that the progression doesn't speed up or is this the drastic decline? It's to do with, like you said, your mental and physical health. And so mentally, as long as it's active and it's challenged, it works like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it stays, mm -hmm. like your body. Yes. And so after that diagnosis, I mean, he owns a shop and, and is, you know, does all the change and calculations and et cetera. And we made sure that he keeps doing that because yes. he's interacting with customers. He's doing mats. He's doing a lot of different things. And that means just because he was diagnosed doesn't mean we say, okay, you can't do that anymore. I mean, being part of that routine and doing those things was really key. So we oh, absolutely. Made sure having that. a purpose. And we just made sure that someone was there to make sure he was doing it right. Not kind of controlling or interfering with his day-to-day -day life, mm -hmm. but just in the background, keeping an eye was what we went ahead with. And then it added a bit more physical activity where he went for a walk for 30 minutes a day with my grandmom or my uncle. And so it was about what he ate what he did mentally and what he did physically and trying to take mark these three things on an everyday basis. Yeah. Did you find any resistance from him? You know, like having someone check up, but not really check up when he was at his shop. How did they go about telling him without being insensitive to the disease or the symptom, I should say, how did you guys handle that part? So I think what I initially told my grandmother was never tell him he's wrong. Correct. Never trying to try to <laughs> Absolutely. don't argue with him. You know, when he's in that episode and he's acting differently or doing things that he wouldn't normally do, let him be loving and caring in that moment. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, he's not listening to you at that point, distract him with something else while you correct with the customer, whatever it may be. And then what was interesting about my grandfather was that he, realized afterwards, maybe later on in the day that he did something that was unusual, that he, wow. he had this self-awareness and maybe it's because it was, he's still at the early stage. Yeah. Yeah. He had that realization, but he doesn't know while he's doing it. So it's kind of two phased, right? You need to make sure and be supportive when that's going on. And if he never really fight with them, never, argue. never fight. Yeah, exactly. You're never going to win. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, I learned so it really quick. <laughs> Exactly. So it's just about taking a step back, maybe getting him involved in some other activity or saying he's being called to help support in doing something else in the household. Again, having that purpose is really important. The dignity bit and all of that, keeping that in mind is how we went about it. Yeah, I learned the word redirect very quickly. Yes. <laughs> redirect, redirect, redirect. And don't use the words remember or I told you or anything that's that takes away from their dignity or makes them feel less than, you know, who they are. And especially if they, like your grandfather, owns a shop and has done all these things all these years, you can't tell them they don't know what they're doing. That's absolutely not a conversation to have with mm -hmm. them. So yeah. my mom definitely comes in and out of her state. Sometimes, you know, she'll make a joke and, and be light about it. And then other times she just had to give up driving and she is okay with it sometimes. And then other times when she wants to go someplace, mm -hmm. I, have to, I have to say the doctor said that yeah. she not drive anymore, you know, cause she's got these two dents on the side of her car, you know, mm -hmm. I need to get fixed now, but like some days she's okay with it. Other days she's pissed and mm -hmm. I get 20 phone calls about it, but I just, say yes ma'am okay absolutely good thing is that she thinks my brother's hiding the keys from her so I just let her think <laughs> that and, and let her be mad at him for the day and then the next yeah. morning she's fine you know just I just don't fight with her it, it took exactly. really 
almost a year for me, maybe six months to figure out within the first six months, not to argue or disagree with her and mm -hmm. just kind of redirect. Redirect is what the word that the counselor uh, said to do, redirect. And you pointed out a really important thing, right? Like she listened to if when you said the GP said this. So who does the person that you're caring for listen to or agree yes. with or have a strong bond with? So my Find grandfather, exactly. So sometimes my grandmother says, you know, Pooja is telling you not to do this or says it's not <laughs> healthy for you. So as a granddaughter, he's like, okay, maybe I'll listen to her. So you kind of need to play on that as well. So always keep it very positive, very supportive. Yeah. And don't take it personally. I used to take it personally that because I'm the youngest child, mm -hmm. oh, you don't want to listen to me. And it's not personal. Like, you no, know, not at I all. had to be okay with the fact that she might be a little bit better with my brother, but not much. Mm -hmm. um, but then the doctor is who she respects and who she'll listen to. And so I have notes all over the house. The doc, you know, doctor said, blah, 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 mm -hmm. or, yeah. you know, doctor said, drink more water. Doctor said, do not drive at night. Doctor said, you know, like notes plastered you know, all yeah. of the place. And then her caregiver knows to say, the doctor said, you know, we, we have a running joke about HR that, you know, she's going to report her to HR, which is me. And then when my mom complains about the caregiver, she says, well, I'm going to report you to HR, which is her, you know, like vice versa. Mm -hmm. yeah. To yeah. make light and fun of it because they're kind of the same sometimes, but most of the time they're not, it's not the same person. It's just a shell, but you have to remember that it's not, even though they sound like they might be the same person, they're not. Exactly. And not take it personally because it's definitely something while you go through it, all are involved or all are affected, you know, and everybody can get their feelings hurt at any given moment, no matter who it is. Yeah. I mean, like if they say something to you or just make a statement that you don't like or insults you in some way, it's not them saying it. And, and to not take it personally is really difficult not to react, not to feel hurt. But I think the important thing is in that moment, to not feel it and then feel it later because they sense how you feel. Even at the later stages, they sense when you're angry, they sense when you're happy or sad oh, yes. and it reflects how they then react to it. And so oh, yeah. keeping in mind that it's never you, it's never targeted to you and because of you is so, so important. Absolutely. Because it helps address the situation. Does your grandmother get out and do things for herself? Because I'm like, she is the full-time caregiver. I mean, my heart goes out to her. I, I definitely can't imagine what that is like to care for someone you've been married to, you know, so many mm -hmm. years. And then, because I've heard stories from others that, you know, now the wives are taking care of the husbands or vice versa. Yeah. I'm just a daughter that's taking care of, you know, my mother that I idolize and adore that I get my feelings hurt, but I can't imagine being married to that person and then slowly watching them become someone else that doesn't even recognize them eventually or doesn't react to them the same way like they used yeah, to. Yeah, it's really difficult. I mean, she's with them all the time, right? But fortunately, they live in a joint family. So it's my uncle, my aunt, my grandmother, my grandfather, the grandchildren. So I think the responsibilities are sort of distributed, but like you said, it's always going to be the wife who would do most of it. Yeah. And somehow it's always the females that yeah. are put in the role. Yes. <laughs> but, two thirds yeah. in the U.S., two thirds of the women are caregivers. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, she gets some time off when others can pick up and give her some break, but uh -huh. it's very difficult. Even when you're away, you're in it. Yeah. Yeah, because you're worried about them. Do you talk yeah. to her about self-care? I do, I do. And I think, yeah, it, it's an important topic because with responsibilities that are just growing and more demanding, you tend to lose yourself as a primary care and your health and your well-being is kind of put second. So it's important 
for me and my mom to talk to her about watching her health she can only care for him if she's healthy and so if you look at the percentage of primary carers who experience depression at some point in that process it's really high it's like 80 percent and so talking about it openly is something that we make sure happens within our family awesome because let me tell you like breaking that cycle of dementia is my goal of this podcast to have people start having some conversations with their loved ones, whether you're age 60, which that's far fewer in between, but like, let's say my age, I'm 45 and younger. I definitely encourage my friends, my other family members to have conversations with their loved ones or their children about like the what ifs this occurs, you know, what, not if you die, but if you live, Mm -hmm. you know, what what kind of care you want, can you afford, you know, I've had people go, Oh, well, you know, we got plenty of money. Okay. That's great. But have you had a conversation with your kids on one, where it's at and two, like what you want done? Like, because when this happens to you, you know, when it happened to my mom, let's just talk about my mom. When it happened to my mom, I was definitely lucky that I had some guidance of friends that had already been through it that said, go do X, Y, and Z immediately. And she was very open because that was something that was stressing her out. That's what another friend of hers had told me that Mm -hmm. because her husband had passed away of Alzheimer's had said that they usually relinquish things that, that really uh, bother them or stress them out or, you know, give them angst. And so she was very okay with allowing me to take over her bills, make sure her bills got paid, allowing me to take on things for her because that was giving her angst, you know, but she had no plan. She let her life insurance lapse because it kicked in when she retired, like she hit it Mm -hmm. for two years. So I just want people to have a conversation, like, like, let's talk about it and know what they want. And then if you don't have a plan, maybe get a plan in place, you know, over a period of time, because somebody could have a heart attack. I don't know the exact titles, but like, people that have strokes or people that are alcoholic, Parkinson's, Lewy body, all of those have the symptom of dementia. Am I along the right routes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's alcohol-induced dementia. There is because of brain injuries that you know, from sports to actually be, being in an accident to more Lewy body and Parkinson's. And there's so many different reasons why and symptoms why dementia is caused. Yeah. So just people talk to each other, have a mm-hmm. conversation and, and thank you so much. What you all are doing makes my heart happy, you know, developing the app that you're developing. I'm going to definitely be spreading the word about it. And thank you for being my second interview of my dementia podcast, Caregiver Stories. And just thank you. Thank you so much. Thank Gunja. you for having me. <laughs> awesome.